Hi and welcome to Defining Boundaries, a podcast about the interesting characters from our surveying and spatial industry and their unique perspectives on life and our industry. I'm Peter Cox and I use my 25 years of contacts as a surveyor and teacher to dig deep into the lives of others. Each fortnight, I delve into the life and times of people from all over the world who share the same profession and passions. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like, comment, feel free to share with your friends. Do you have a question about the surveying or spatial industry? Or would you like to join me for a chat? Or would you like to hear from someone in particular? If so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram and we can catch up. This week, I chat to Matthew R. Stansbury, the safety apparel guy, all the way from Seattle, Washington, USA. Hi, and welcome to Defining Boundaries. My guest today is Matthew R. Stansbury. Matthew was born and grew up in Washington. Now that's the state, not the capital DC. Growing up, Matthew wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. He has been in the surveying industry off and on since 2004. And those that know him knows that he produces a pretty awesome safety vest. He has had careers in lots of fun stuff, such as wetland delineation, a ranch hand, granite, I'll have to ask that one, and as a remodel company owner. So let's call him our Matt of all trades. While his main focus at the moment is in construction and high-vis safety apparel. When Matt isn't working, he loves spending time outdoors, scuba diving, biking, gardening, golfing, all types of skiing and camping. All the way from Seattle, Washington, welcome Mr. Stansbury. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for hunting me down, Peta. Oh, now I'm the one that's always getting names wrong, and I probably should have mentioned this before. It's Peter, not Petter. Oh, <laughs> Peter. But that's so sorry because it happens all the time. You can call me Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that one quite a bit. Really? I used to, when you introduce yourself, someone that very first time, and then you talk for a little bit, and they come back, and it's like, okay, Mike. It's nice meeting you. Ah, Mike. yeah. I mean. Close enough. <laughs> well, I don't, I, when I do that, people always used to call me Tony. What? <laughs> because they knew that I had a boy's name, but they couldn't remember what it was. So they would come out with Tony. Uh, I don't know. Work that one out. <laughs> yeah, right. Peter. <laughs> yeah, Tony. there's nothing, nowhere. I mean, yeah, girl, boy name, both of them. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mike. So, oh, Matt, joking. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Penna, what do you got? <laughs> uh, all right. Tell me about yourself. You were born and bred in Seattle. Yes? Yep. In a little town called Edmonds. And then I, they moved me way out into the woods and had horses and just kind of lived a little bit of a country life out there, being raised by teachers. Oh, nice. Oh, so you get what uh, teachers are like then, huh? For sure, for sure. <laughs> Strict. Uh, well, we have our moments. 
and uh, you've had a few jobs. Um, what's the granite one? Uh, I learned how to fabricate stone slab granite. Oh. I worked for a company. It was technically a friend from college. And a few years after college, I had done some little things. And then she's like, hey, what are you doing right now? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, you should come work for my family's company. We do granite and cabinets and stuff like that for houses and condos and apartments, okay. hotels. So that's what I was doing. And then I eventually turned it into my own company. Nice. Okay. That's cool. So you said college. Is that like our high school or that's after high school? Yeah. Yeah. I went to a four year up in Bellingham, which is the north side of Washington, right up there next to the Canadian border. Yeah. Okay. And Mount Baker. Whoop, whoop. That is a fantastic <laughs> place to go skiing, by the way. I had to shout out to Mount Baker. Uh, yeah. So it's a great school up there. It's beautiful. It's smashed between the mountains and the ocean with uh, all your fun-loving hippies in between. Oh, that sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> it was a great spot. It actually happened to be my alma mater. It wasn't like planned, but my parents went there uh, before they were married. My sister went there, my cousins went there. Mm -hmm. So it was a good spot to go to because the University of Washington, the UW was pretty close to home where I grew up. and. It wasn't really that far away when you wanted to like get just far away from the parents when you're 18, you know? Yeah, yeah. So okay. Bellingham was an hour and a half away. So yeah, that's perfect. That's nothing. That's, yeah, that's. No, you still bring your laundry home for mom. <laughs> so what did you do there? Uh, you know, you, you waste about three years doing general university requirements, trying not to get kicked out of school, <laughs> um, living on your own, trying to be an adult all at that same time. <laughs> That doesn't work. We all know this. <laughs> um, and then I started to take a bunch of education and uh, high-end art classes and studio classes because I wanted to be an art teacher. Ah. And I was really close. The uh, dean wanted me to skip some of the flaming loops and continue doing what I was already doing, which was teaching uh, all levels of art already in schools off campus. I was teaching some classes on campus. And she's like, we're going to make you a teacher here. And I was like, oh, that sounds like could be a good idea. Yeah. And then I met this girl and everything changed. <laughs> so I ended up bouncing out of school. I, I graduated, yeah. but I jumped out of Bellingham and went back down to Seattle. Oh, oh they always throw a uh, grenade into the mix, don't they? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, huh? A little bit. It's okay. It's all right. I've had plenty of fun. <laughs> yeah, you've you've had you've done lots of things. So what what attracted you to surveying? How did you get into it? Uh so a kid that I was going to school with named Corey, there's a friend of his family named Mitch. And I think Corey's dad used to babysit Mitch's wife at some point when she was a kid through their family, and that's how yeah. we ended up knowing Mitch. Yeah. And Mitch had got my buddy Corey into, I know it's a long drawn out, sorry, yeah, but they had got, they had got him, Mitch had got Corey, my buddy, into surveying way before I was surveying. Uh -huh. Sometime after college, people had done a couple jobs, not knowing what they were doing, and then Mitch roped him in, and then Corey roped in like two or three, four of my other friends, and I was still doing my own stuff and running my own construction company. And they're like, hey, you know, finally one day I was like, okay, I'll come and check this out. And 
they gave me a machete. So I was like, I'm in. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me before you're just going to give me a machete if I signed up? I would have just shown up that, that day and dropped everything. So okay. that was that. Yeah, right. And you kind of been jumping in and out of it ever since. Yeah. So I surveyed solid for five years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was when the first economic collapse hit us, or the last big one, about 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. So everyone got laid off at some point because construction just stopped. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, it was, I was still running my construction company. So I just went back to doing that mostly. And then whenever my friends and little tiny companies or friends who splinter sell off to other bigger companies needed summer work or any kind of work, they would just hire me as a contract land surveyor for two weeks, two months. I'd get a hat and a jacket out of it every time. I'd be like, all right, you give me a cool sweater or a sweatshirt and you know, I'll work for you for a few weeks, you know? So it was that kind of thing. And, you know, there's, it, you know, then I'd take care of my own taxes and it's in my blood. So it's hard to let it go, but it, some, for a long time, it's hard to find solid work doing that. Yeah. So I was just doing my own stuff and then doing it when I could. Yeah. And now I'm back to doing it again full time and playing with the vests. Yeah. So how long have you been in it this time? For a while? Uh, I start, I went back in July oh, to okay. help them. It was summertime and they needed help. It's my, it's Mitch. It's his company that okay. he started after all those years with the other company. And he's actually retiring now. So he's got one foot out the back door. Yeah. He's sitting in the back office. No one bugs him anymore. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm proud of that guy. Way to go. I work for uh, Axis Land Surveying. They brought me in. I've done contract surveying for them off and off for years. And they brought me in in about July. They said, I, we need you for about uh, a good solid month and a half. I said, no problem. Yeah. And then uh, I never left. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so they're like, you should just stay. I said, okay. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So have you got any formal qualifications in surveying? Nope. nope. I have zero school. Yeah, okay. And yeah, does I'd... that not seem to matter in America as to what positions? I mean, besides being, you know, the licensed or registered sort of thing, um, you don't have to do any formal study? You really don't. It depends. I mean, there's there's ten ways to get to the same party chief yeah. job or even to the same LS if you want. Yeah. Okay. But um, up here, I mean, it's all regional. You know, all the states are so completely different. They're like different countries yeah. sometimes. I've noticed um, that. So yeah. So where we are, it's really crazy about safety. Like we have OSHA, right? But we have a WISHA, which is a Washington OSHA that trumps OSHA. So everyone's got their own kind of funny little standards. So when it comes to surveying, uh, just to get someone to survey nowadays, you, you're, you feel pretty lucky. So you'll take anybody. Okay. Right now we're getting a lot of people that they're calling themselves restaurant uh, refugees. Oh, the the restaurant industry has taken such a hit from COVID Mm. that some of them are putting down the knife and picking up a machete. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have one of them. Yeah. And he's loving surveying. He's like, what is this? This is amazing. It would be completely different to working in a restaurant. That's for sure. Completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's 20 acres in the woods. Go. Off you go. <laughs> Down that way. <laughs> yeah. If you can chop up veggies, there's a whole bunch of sticker bushes. Go for it. <laughs> Just a bigger knife. 
Oh, yeah, because, um, I mean, the the coronavirus in America is, like, pretty big impact with numbers and yeah and stuff. So um, yep. it would make it difficult for a lot of a lot of people with their work and everything. For sure. Yeah. It slowed down for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was just because it was the private sector versus the public sector at that point. Uh-huh. And the public sector didn't stop. And then the private sector figured out really quick how to work with the CDC and like, okay, what do we got to do? You know, there's too much money pushing us to get stuff done. So if money makes the world go round, it'll work its way through a pandemic. And so there's definitely being in the construction trade that I, that doing surveying, I'm glad I was doing that and not some other stuff because I feel really bad for the people who lost their jobs and yeah. a lot of those little mom and pop shops, you know, man, they're, they're not going to come back. No, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. I mean, so, we've been pretty lucky over here. Um, you know, in, in our industry, all the the smaller guys have been going absolutely gangbusters because everybody's at home. Um, they got nowhere to throw their money. They can't go overseas. You know, at some stage, you couldn't even travel. Working from home, need that extra room, or we're thinking about doing an extension, and so oh hey, stuff it, let's do it. We're here, we got the money, kind of thing. So awesome. Yeah, it's been going, but going pretty good for a, a lot of companies. A lot of people I've been speaking to have, um, yeah, have have had to turn work away, which you know doesn't happen very often. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Surveying used to be a feast or famine for us in the wintertime. It would slow down and sometimes stop, but I don't know, maybe the last seven years, it's something, something flipped. Yeah. And people are just dumping a lot of money, like almost recklessly Yeah, <laughs> in, into, into holes and we're digging them up and turning them into high rises. So it's like, all right, as yeah. long as they pay our bills, let's do this. Yeah. And um, cause that is, is that mostly what you do that construction sites that are staffed? Um, or a bit of I guess it. it depends on what crew you're on. The party chief that I currently work with is probably their high rise guy. Uh-huh. I mean, there, there's a few high rise guys at this company since it's composed of about nine or 10 owners and probably eight of them have LSs. Ah, okay. So it's a pretty decent sized company then. Yeah, there's maybe, well, I mean, cause we've got the crews and the IT and then the floaters. So, you know, there's maybe like 30, yeah. Yeah. 35. Yeah. But yeah, it's for the the volume and the, the you know what the kind of jobs that we're doing, high rises and crazy stuff. It's they're cranking some major major uh, work out the door. Yeah. Okay. So you say so, that you work for a party chief? Yes, I'm technically. Oh. If I had to have a work label, I'd be the chainman. Okay. <laughs> yep. I don't. I don't want to. I mean, I've done party chiefing before. It's not my thing. Yeah. They're pushing me to be a party chief again now that I'm back. Of course they want me to be a party chief, but oh, I was like, eh, we'll see. I've made it this far being a career chairman. I'm happier being a chairman. Like, don't don't put me behind that gun and have to push buttons all day. I'll go crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, each to their home, own. And, um, you know, I've kind of learned the hard way at times that um, you got to be happy in what you do. For sure. There's no use doing it if you're not happy. So, you know, there's big decisions that you got to make sometimes, don't you? 
I mean, I'd love to do it. Of course, it pays more. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And anybody they bring in as a chainman, that's part of the part of the deal. You work your way from chainman up to party chief, and then you mm -hmm. then you train the next chainman and until they become party chief. Yeah. And then all you're scrapping for are chainmen as labor, and you can always stack chiefs together. You want to be flushed with chiefs. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so that's what we're trying to do right now is build it up. Yeah. To get as many as we can. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, you can go to the next guy. You come talk to me again in like six months. Yeah, and we'll have this come back in six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see where we're at. I'm like, just if I'm gonna try to run my company and chief at the same time, then something's gonna suffer. Yeah. Because chiefing takes a lot more out of you. Just the time spent when you're not even in the van or on a job site doing downloads, doing your notes, doing all your trav sketches. Yeah all that extra stuff, taking time at home to charge everything, get all the batteries and radios, just all that stuff. It's like <laughs> all that extra time, I spend that on processing vests and doing some, uh, you know, just talking to customers. And yeah. So what, what made you think of doing vests? <laughs> we were wearing some pretty interesting garbage for a while and it's when you start surveying you don't even really know what a high-vis vest is or how badly you need pockets yeah for certain things you know on any given day your vest could be eight to 15 pounds wow. and you could have a lot of expensive equipment in in your pockets you know and it kind of needs to stay there yeah nothing, nothing should be ripping out so some of the ones that our bosses were buying us, you just wear it. You don't know the difference. You just kind of work with it. Uh -huh. But it took me about a year and a half, I think, of wearing a vest every day, surveying. And I started just like, this, this thing is just, it's not even hot orange. It's not even bright. It's like brand new is a rust orange mixed with some weird red. <laughs> it, was a not, it wasn't ANSI approved, but it was a good heavy duty design. Yeah. So I kind of started Frankensteining some designs together taking some aspects of some vests and adding them to other aspects and then kind of just tweaking it and adding weird things until I had what I thought was cool. And then I'd show a bunch of surveyors and other people yeah. in construction trades and say, tell me what you don't like about it and tell me what you would change. And I kind of collaborated with a bunch of other people's ideas until I had one prototype and then I made it. And then I sold it to the police chief who watched me like Frankensteining vests together for months until I had one. And he's like, hey, is that that one you've been talking about? He's like, I'm buying that off you right now. That's mine. Well, that's and at that point, I was like, wow, I should, uh, maybe I should make like 20 at a time or something like that. And then it eventually just turned into a company. Yeah. It was so, not my plan to turn it into a company. It just happened. And, and for those that don't really know you, you said make 20 of them. So you were yeah. are you still making them? Oh, no, not anymore. I have lots of help. <laughs> that would just be crazy. But you did, didn't you? Stop. Yeah. I couldn't get anybody else locally to even touch them. Mm. I had a small shop, but none of the people in that shop were even from the States. They're from all over the world. Uh -huh. So people would kind of give you, you know, they kind of flip you some garbage and be like, hey, you know you know where's my made in usa label or, or why does it say made in china now it's like well when it was made in the usa label it was being made by people who don't even speak english that live in america not 
you know, that doesn't matter, but where do you think all their money is going? <laughs> you know, it's like we live in this weird Walmart mentality of buying super, super cheap garbage and then throwing right. it away. Yeah. So I'm like, that's not how it works. And then I couldn't get anybody to buy these vests because making them here turned into be like a $200 USD vest, which is a lot. Which, yeah, it's pretty expensive. Yeah, when the other ones are selling for 30. Mm. Right? But yeah. the but the ones that sell from 30 are not made in America. Like everything else is not made in America, mm -hmm. you know? Some, some stuff is, mm. uh, but not that much when it comes to textiles. So then I couldn't even get anyone to make them anymore after the uh, economy bust. I'm like, here we go. So I had a business partner for a little bit and he's like, listen, I got these contacts all over the world. Let me start, you know, talking to them. And then bam, all of a sudden I had some help overseas doing some small projects and um, the same place for Nike and Nordstrom was making their stuff, started making my vests and they had never made a vest before. Okay. But they were really excited because it was something completely new. Yeah. Because they'd been making the same stuff for years. And mm -hmm. the guy, I guess they were bored. They'd never done high vis. They've never played with scotch, scotch light, 3M striping, reflectivity, yeah. xenon testing, ANSI certifications. They never messed with any of that stuff. Mm. But yeah. then neither did I. So it was a big <laughs> learning experience. <laughs> Holy cow. They make it hard for you to figure things out. I was going to say, so uh, there's always, if there's a will, there's a way, huh? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm being just kind of stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that too then. <laughs> you have to have some sort of a drive. But the good thing is that they're all over the world now, your safety apparel vests. This is true. Yeah. This is true. And not just or construction they're getting used in other industries or um for all different sorts of sorts of things there's some out there that don't have stripes on them that people are wearing for hunting uh-huh um i have met homicide detectives i just met a plumber on a job site on one of my job sites i saw my dude walk by with my vest and i was like hey can i take your picture what, you know, what trade are you? Are you a surveyor? No, I'm a plumber. I'm a union plumber. I'm like, okay, cool. That's a rad vest. He's like, yeah, I love this vest. My buddy bought it for me because he loves this vest. And I was like, I'm the guy who designs it. He's like, wow, can I take your picture? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I got to send this to my buddy. He's not going to believe this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too weird. I'm like, I'm trying to get your picture. Just put it on the internet. And he wants to take my picture. I'm like, that's just too funny. That is funny. I did see that picture of the plumber with your vest on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I know. I chased him all over the job site. You could see I was creeping him from a distance in those from the story. Talking about from the storyline, right? Yeah. I was like, so I'm like, oh, there's my party chief, and then there's another one. So I'm like, PC, PC. I'm like, oh, there he is. Yeah. There he is over there. And then I hunted him down. I'm like, there's the plumber. <laughs> <laughs> And this guy's probably going, oh, what's this guy doing? <laughs> oh, totally. I've had a lot of conversations like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very cool. Um, it's a very cool vest. I haven't seen one in real life. I've just seen what you do on the internet. Wait, how close are you to Mr. Iping? Uh, I'm probably about 45 minutes away. Oh, that's nothing. No, I know it's nothing. But when we work, so... 
when we work so much, we don't get much time. I'm not driving over there on the weekend just to have a look. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I get it. I'm, I'm, ju I'm just thinking out loud because there's been more than one uh, submission from surveyors in Austri Australia uh, for my post that I put uh -huh. about the differences in the pictures. Yeah. So if, if one of y'all kids from down under uh, end up winning it, then Mr. David's going to have to cough it up because I'm not going <laughs> to, he's going to have to cough up one of the vests that he has for the winner. And then he and I will figure it out later. <laughs> Yeah, well, he drives all around Sydney anyway. So, you know, he can just drop it off at Miranda for me. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, no, he goes all over. But, good, yeah. good. Yeah, he seems pretty busy. He is, yeah, most definitely. I haven't actually spoken to him this year since we've been back. So I'll have to try and... Didn't you do it? Oh, yeah, this, well, this year, this year, we like a couple, like 16 days into this year. I know, it's, yeah, for, for those like that are... It is the 17th of January that we're recording this, so. <laughs> Not oh, yeah, it's true, 17th on your time, because it's the 16th. Oh, 16th on my time. Yeah, 16th in Seattle, that's right. Oh, wow. Time thing, this time thing is, uh, is, is, a th is, you think, oh, yes, I'll speak to that person. Oh, gosh, where do they live? What's their time? When, when am I going to have to? <laughs> What's going to see right? the this? <laughs> That's got to be hard with scheduling with interviews for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, some weekends are caught up with uh, doing interviews so that we can kind of catch up with people overseas, not in our time zone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Time. So it's winter over there at the moment. It is. It uh, hasn't been super cold, but cold okay. enough to snow in the mountains. So I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. And um, what's it like, like on job sites and stuff, if it's snowing and stuff, do you get much of that happen? Uh, you know, down here near the city, Seattle, Bellevue, those areas, it's pretty low. So uh -huh. it's it's rare that you'll get too much snow. You might get a dusting. Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, you won't get like heavy snow. But most of the job sites right now are just mud holes. Ah. Uh, just because it, it's been raining a lot. Yeah yeah just means snow in the mountains once again people complain <laughs> all the day well, it won't stop raining this, is, this this sucks i'm like i'm just thinking ha ha that's like another foot and a half of snow in the mountains nice. i'm happy yep yep i'd be happy with that as well oh um so we talked about, about like, you know, you being a party chief and, and in your state and everything of the different ways of doing stuff. Why is it different in every state when it comes to the way you can be a safe surveyor or, you know, it's really, really different. I don't know. It's in Australia, you know, we might have a slightly different process, but, um, you do uh, vocational education, which is, you know, get your diploma and you become a survey technician or you go to university, um, you become a graduate surveyor. And then if you want to, you do your board examinations, whatever state you are, and you become registered or licensed. Whereas, I don't know, in, in the different states, it just seems really different. I'm still trying to get my head around how it all works over there. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's where the money is at. If there's more money in an area, there's a good chance that the kids might be going to a university or a technical college. Yeah. Mostly around here, the survey schools are in technical colleges. Yeah, okay. 
And if you get, you know, you get out of areas where there's no money, then it's just, it won't be like that at all. And then and even though I grew up in an area where I could have gone to a technical college, I went to a different four-year college up north because yeah. I had, I was trying to do something different Yeah. and then ended up surveying later. But anybody who wants to learn how to survey, any of these companies will take you on green, like, like the restaurant refugee. Yeah, yeah. Train you up as a chairman, and if you have interest, then they'll train you to be a party chief. And if you're good enough, then you can take your LSIT. Yeah. If you pass your LSIT test, then you'll take your LS test. And if you obviously you pass that, then you have a license. So you either do school and then do field work and then do a little bit of school at the end, or do no nothing and then do field work and then do a lot of school at the end and then and then get the same license. Yeah. So there is still school. It's just. The, more often than not we pull people in that are green with no schooling yeah okay it's just yeah it's really interesting trying to work out how it or how it all sort of works over there uh, mm, anyway. <laughs> i mean yeah all, like i said all places are a little bit different yeah. but it does seem to be like where the money is you're gonna have more chances for schooling yeah right um Who's had the biggest impact on your career? And that doesn't have to be in the surveying. That can be over your whole career. I mean, just because it did have to do with surveying and he has given me expert advice in the past, I'd probably have to still come back to Mr. Mitch Evans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the current top dog at Axis is just getting ready to bow out of his own company and go relax and, re and retire finally. He's just always been, he's a, he's very intelligent, quick witted, um, really, really funny and super sarcastic. So he's your standard surveyor there <laughs> and uh, just great, great all around guy, he's a good family guy. And whenever I've had questions in life and love throughout my whole life, he's always had pretty good, solid advice other than just, you know, kind of a kick in the butt and like, yeah. you know, get over yourself, kid. <laughs> um, I mean, he's given me pretty sound advice, even in the safety vest world, mm. when it came to some, some other business decisions and people I didn't want to work with. And he's like, listen, you know, you got to get past the personal stuff. Who cares if you don't like these people? It's just business. I'm like, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't be making vests and if I wasn't a surveyor. Yeah. You know, I I don't think I would have just started making vests. Yeah. So it all kind of trickles back to him because he's the one who originally got my friends and then got me eventually. Yeah. To start surveying. Yeah. Everything always happens for a reason, doesn't it? For sure. It's been it's been a ton of fun. You know, life throws you a lot of curveballs, but if you're already on that roller coaster, put your hands up. Let's do this. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, baby. Hey, oh, baby just woke up. That's your puppy dog. Yeah. So, if you, those that are listening, if you if you haven't seen, um, Matt has this beautiful little dog that loves to jump in boxes and wants to get sent off all over America. <laughs> yes, you saw that. <laughs> She's always trying to pack the boxes down. She's helping. She's part of the shipping department. That's a wonderful job. <laughs> yes, this is Baby. She was a rescue out of the Nashville, Tennessee area when I was living down there for a while. I was rescuing a lot of dogs. I was uh, volunteer firefighting for the county. Okay. 
doing all sorts of fun stuff when I was down there. Yeah, right. And how long were you down there for? Uh, about four and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It was a corporate move job for the wife. Yep. So we, you know, we didn't have any kids and um, didn't have a dog at that time. So we're like, mm -hmm. hey, why not? You know, let's go and, let's go check it out. Had never even been there to visit. So that was pretty wild. But the music was awesome. No, because <laughs> that's a long way from where you are now. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 3,000 miles. Yeah. Uh, a lot of kilometers. Yeah, a lot. I wouldn't even do the calculation in my head. <laughs> But a long, a long, a long way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm a chain man. I don't like the numbers. <laughs> Get a little lystexia in my head. You know, I'm left brained because I'm an artist. So the numbers have always been tough. That what it is. Yes, totally. Do you, do you have this? Do you feel that pain? Yes, I do. I mean, I don't have dyslexia, but I am more on the artistic <laughs> side and um, I did always have to double and triple check my numbers because I would flip them, you know, not all the time. So that's why I'm not saying dyslexia at all, but, you know, I'd write something down and I'd flip the numbers down or flip them the wrong way. And having yep. to do mathematics, you know, I was the one that was getting tutored all the way through school so I could still be in the top class, knowing that there was, you know, a formula. And if I knew the formula, I was good, but not something that comes naturally that's for sure <laughs> yeah it takes a, a lot of repetition to beat yeah. that stuff into my head yeah yeah so yeah it does amaze me when people just pull these numbers out or they do this and do that and i'll go oh geez i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> i watch these guys doing field calcs in their head yeah totally cutting corners mathematically and they're hard to learn from that's for sure. In my position, you can't learn from people who do that, but I'm always in amazement just watching them do this stuff. I'm like, these are highly, highly sophisticated mathematicians. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I struggle with, struggle with that as well. I'd much rather have a camera in my hand or, I don't know, a pen or a pencil or a paintbrush or something. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I totally agree. Flowing with. <laughs> I totally agree. That's awesome. Oh, so you're a painter, huh? I like that. Oh, yeah. In my spare time, I do bits and pieces. What kind of paint? Uh, like what kind of uh, acrylics, oil? Mainly just acrylics, just because it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally like to have a bit of flow happen. I just get that flow out of me. No, that's awesome. That's good. It's good for your soul to paint and do make art, especially if you want to do it. You know, it's been it's a while. Like, it has been a while, but that's where my camera comes in. I, I go, go off wandering for hours just with my camera and, you know, take photos that sit on my hard drive of my computer. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't that funny? It's like how many photos have you taken and how many have you actually gone back and looked at? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Make some uh, coffee table books. Well, you know that that was something I was, you know, I thought I could. That's so that that's the kind of book I could do. But yeah, I, know. I have lots of things going around in my head at the moment. 
Yeah. Well, just write them down and check them off. I know. Yeah, most definitely. Anyway, back to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm interviewing the interviewer. <laughs> oh, I had that. The Matt Stansbury. Welcome to the Matt Stansbury Show. <laughs> my, my friend from down under, PETA, <laughs> is here to tell us about her show, Defining Boundaries. <laughs> oh, Matt, thanks for having me. <laughs> Yeah, great. Glad to, I'm glad I had to hunt you down. You know, she, you know she's, she's kind of shy and she doesn't like doing interviews. No, no, don't like talking to people at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perfect. Let's get back to surveying, huh? <laughs> all right. What is the worst thing that has happened to you while you've been surveying? The worst thing? Mm. Um, there was a day I would say that was... It wasn't horrible, really, because I'm used to it, but it was embarrassing because I, 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 I bounced a machete off of my kneecap and had to go to the hospital. Ooh. Yeah, I wasn't too excited about that. It was the end of the day, and we had been in swamps, and all the trees and everything is covered in green slime. Ooh. And our rain gear is covered in green slime, your gloves, your hands are so tired from swinging the machete all day long. Uh-huh. And I was switching back and forth between left and right-handed. And it, there was just a slight glance. And that machete came back at me. And I felt it hit my knee. And the yeah. machete just took off into the woods. Oh, no. So I go and I find the machete. And I come back. And I start chopping again. And then my, my knee started feeling really warm. <laughs> and I sat down. I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on here. And then I saw this split that was in my rain gear. I was like... Huh. So I kind of like open the rain gear a little bit. I see a split right through my pants. I'm like, uh oh. I, you know, I open that one. I see a big split in my kneecap. I'm like, dang it. So I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh, it's so swampy and just there's so much gross dirt and mud everywhere here. It's like, this is not a clean site. There's a good chance there's probably something in my knee. Mm-hmm. And I might have I hit the bone. It's like, dang it. Like radio to the chief. I'm like, sorry, man, I got to go to the hospital. <laughs> Called my mom because we were right around the corner. I'm like, hey, where's the nearest hospital to your house? Oh, and she why? was breaking. <laughs> I'm why? I'm like, I'm just curious. Is you know the nearest one to your house? What's the nearest hospital? She's like, oh, it's this one over here. I'm like, all right, thanks. She's like, why? What'd you do? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> just a couple little stitches. I, it didn't even really bleed. How many? Like, I was mostly embarrassed. How many stitches? Two? Twelve. Twelve. Just a couple. <laughs> well, I mean, they were, they were tiny little things that just, just they dissolved, looked like ants. You know, <laughs> they weren't even real. So now but that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. It was the only time I've injured myself. Uh, well, no, that's not true. Let's see here. <laughs> I, rolled my, I rolled my ankles pretty good. Uh, one time mm-hmm. surveying and that took me out of work for a month. Oh, really? Yeah, I really mangled my ankle. It should have broke. I just, I didn't, it, the bones didn't break. It just kind of shredded everything else. Oh. That wasn't so you good. You've got to be more careful. Eh. <laughs> I mean, you give someone a machete, you let them run around in the woods. What's going to happen? Hmm. And bees nests too. Those are always fun. Oh. 
I remember taking some students to a baseline where they had to do um, measurements and calibrations and all that sort of stuff for the instruments. And right up the other end, there was this house because it was in a park right next to a whole heap of backyards of houses. And there was this bee's nest and we got up the other end and all these bees started buzzing around and one kid went, I'm allergic to bees. And I'm like, go, <laughs> just go. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah. yeah. Run. Yeah. Run. Get out of here now. <laughs> so, not yeah. the best. No, definitely not. Definitely. Uh, the other one, I guess, would be, I've been kicked off a job site before. It happens. What did you do? I was just, you know, maybe the urinal was backed up and busy and maybe you're back, you're doing a topo along some trees somewhere and maybe you just decided to go to the bathroom out in the woods like an animal, like you should be able to. And maybe they had cameras out there because they were paranoid already <laughs> and maybe they caught you on camera. <laughs> oh, came, into work on, came into work on Monday that job site and I got pulled aside and then I got pulled aside with another guy which I'd never seen before and I was like what's going on here and then all of a sudden they play some audio back of him floating on a boat on the weekend talking about the job site which he signed non-disclosures to be on this job site oh. and so he's like and they're like bam you're fired and I was like ah I start laughing I'm like wait what am I doing here <laughs> and all of a sudden they show me this short little video clip I'm like oh yep that's that's totally not me. I don't, uh, and then I turn around and smile at the camera and like wave. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> They're like, you're fired off this job site. I'm like, oh, bummer. Baga. <laughs> it was no big deal, though. I mean, it, it just happens. The boss didn't care. The boss is like, it, I mean, I think it's a surveyor thing. It's going to happen sooner or later. If you gotta go, you gotta go, don't you? Yeah, and we, you know, usually where we're at, they, they don't have bathrooms, so you're running around all over the place, cutting through people's backyards, trying to not get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's just real talk. Some people don't like talking about that, but it happens. No, it happens. Mind you. The funny thing about that job site, do you know whose job site that was? Whose? Jeff Bezos. Why should I know that name? He's the big wig of Amazon. Oh, okay. We were building them a yeah. We were building them a castle, like fifteen foot deep moat, and uh, far out. And then I was like, "Dang it! I didn't get to see it get finished." Because you know, you take a standard big house like a mansion. Yeah. How many pin? How many pins go around that house? Maybe twenty five or thirty pins, including the envelope corners, right? This is like three hundred. Far out. It was enormous. No wonder they so had that, cameras, though. Yeah, he was already paranoid <laughs> back then. This is like 2007. Yeah, right. Jeez, that would, that would have been interesting to uh, continue on, for sure. <laughs> Mind you, knowing you're being filmed the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't even really know. We just didn't. Whatever. Yeah. It happens. It's just funny that it happened on his job site. <laughs> It was his house. <laughs> oh, that 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 could lead into my one of my questions of what's the most inappropriate time that you've burst out in laughter. 
getting fired <laughs> from a job. <laughs> Um, oh, well, I mean, I had a very interesting life, so I'm not done yet. Oh. So just inappropriate laughter. Bring it on. Yep. Inappropriate. Even when someone says something that you're not supposed to laugh at. Yes. And you laugh so hard, you like blow some snot out your nose. Yep. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, after a boss, of, uh, which we used to call the mustache, and <laughs> He was the chief, wait, chairman, party chief, chief of parties. See, oh, he was just the main survey coordinator. I don't know what they called that guy. Anyways, the mustache. He uh, was making fun of me that for the 500th time for breaking my ankle on that job site during one of our safety meetings. And... Uh, Man, I, I don't know if it was just timing or the burrito that I ate the night before. <laughs> we were sitting on these plastic chairs. <laughs> <laughs> I ripped the loudest fart. <laughs> and I mean, it, it like bounced off the walls <laughs> and like everybody in the whole room went silent. He turned bright red and couldn't even finish talking. He, could, he couldn't finish talking. Like another person had to stand up and like move him to the side and then start continuing the conversation. And I then exploded into laughter and everybody around me is trying not to laugh because they know that they're going to get in trouble. But I was already, <laughs> it was already me. It was obviously because two people around me got up and moved. <laughs> It was it was not planned, but it was pretty amazing, and I didn't I couldn't control myself, and I don't get embarrassed very easily. I can tell you're more embarrassed just hearing the story. No, I'm funny. I'm just like reliving it. Hilarious! I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have burst out in laughter also. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It was it was it was commanding. Oh jeez! <laughs> wow. So that kind of became like a thing for quite a while. Uh, yeah, I just, I was still pretty new at the company and. <laughs> so we've got. They'd never seen the boss. Yeah, they'd never seen the boss cut off in a conversation because he was, he was always in control. <laughs> so to watch him get like stopped in the middle of a conversation and then not be able to finish what he was even talking about. <laughs> Jeez, you, make Classic. you make an impact on people, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I made an impact on my chair. I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> oh dear. And on that note, we'll be back next week for the second part of Defining Boundaries with Matthew R. Stansbury from Seattle, Washington, USA. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.